Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. The conference is now in silent mode. What has happened, and it looked like there would be a lynching tonight in Tulsa. And without any investigation, Dick Rowland was taken to the courthouse in downtown Tulsa. But Greenwood citizens were not about to see Rowland lynched. Fifty black men armed with shotguns and pistols blocked the courthouse. Finally, an old man, white fellow, about... 65 years of age and about 5 feet 5 inches tall, weighed about 140 pounds, walked up to a Negro that weighed 250. And he said, Nigga, what you doing with that gun? He said, I'm going to use it if I need to. He said, No, you ain't. You give it to me. He tried to take it and that set the ride off. So that was just part one of that document. Come on, just one moment. Uh, this this freak is going to say bad things. Okay, I'm multitasking. Do you guys ever multitask? And the phone is still not. I don't know. Can you hear this? That is really a gross picture. Something called the welfare mafia. It's a God, I, I can't go there. That net is just dead. So I'm celebrating tonight. Yes, cause for celebration. Cause for celebration. Then on the 95th anniversary of the Wall Street, um, of the demise of Wall Street, that something good has really happened. That Robert Bates, the murderer, Bob Bates, was sentenced to five years yes you got it I'm sorry four years I wished for five years unfortunately five years was not an option the longest we could sentence Bob Bates to was four years and is today the 95th anniversary of the Tulsa race riot of the infamous Black Wall Street and to celebrate today what better way to celebrate but to had the formal sentencing. And sometimes I wonder if the judge didn't plan this. Of the convicted killer, Robert Bob Bates. He had been found guilty of second-degree manslaughter. Now, you have to understand, this guy was in uniform. He was a reserve deputy. He chose to put this uniform on of the uh, Tulsa County Sheriff Department. You know, he elected to become this uniformed person. He chose to call the night before to see if there was a job he could do that day. Is there something I can help out with? Bastard. Fucking bastard. 
And maybe I'll do a cleaner version tomorrow where I'll just be nice about it. But, I mean, I sat through four hours of this crap today. Four hours of my life gone. I can never get it back again. As you may recall, on April 2nd, 2015, the pay-as-you-play Bates, the Tulsa Reserve Volunteer Deputy, shot and killed Eric Harris. Now, this hit the national airwaves. Uh, CNN, Fox, I mean, every place, uh, Good Morning America. And he started to make the rounds. He did a series of interviews, including Anderson Cooper, Good Morning America. He claimed that the murder was an accident. That this was the worst thing that had ever happened to... Drumroll, please. Actually, let's do... Let's do this background music. Yeah, let me turn it down for you. Yeah. This was the worst thing that could ever happen to him, Bob Bates. He's never had anything so bad happen to him before. Now, I sat in my chair as I watched this. I'm sure you did, too. You're thinking, but what about the man he shot and killed? What about his family? Wasn't this pretty bad for them, too? Yeah, I thought that, too. Now, of course, we the people of Oklahoma, grassroots activist group, they were propelled into... God, I had the word... The verbiage was wrong. I'm sorry. I'll fix that. They were propelled into action. And here's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. And for that, you'll have to listen to me. So we're going to go back in time. And for this, I really don't want to go back in time. Honestly, I really don't. I really don't want to go back in time for this. This is sex. This is sex. I'm trying to control my breathing. I just don't see how it can. Just don't see how I can. How inhumane this was. If they had had their way. If they had had their way. None of this would have occurred. But of course they had body cams and dash cams. You know who paid for that? A great portion of that, that is. That would be Bob Bates. Robert Bates. Now, what I'm about to play, if you are sensitive, I need you to go ahead and mute the show for the next minute and 40 seconds. I'm giving myself a few extra seconds here. What I'm about to play is the audio, which you will hear what causes the death of Eric Garris. It's hard to hear. But in order to understand what has happened today, I think a person needs to hear this. I play this in all respect to the Harris family. So here we go. What you're going to hear 
is the sound of someone running. Eric Harris has participated in a gun sting. He's tried to sell a gun to an individual. And uh, he made a bad choice. No ifs, ands, or buts. He needed his day in court. He deserved his day in court not to be executed on a street in Tulsa. Ironically, he was shot in a street in Tulsa where this race riot happened 95 years ago. Matter of fact, 95 years ago today. And he's wearing a white t-shirt, some basketball shorts. That's all. Socks and tennis shoes. The the gun was left in the vehicle. Here we go. Stop, 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 stop. Stop right here. Stop right here. Oh my 
No, I did play that over three times. I just had to hear it again. I've watched the testimony. There were five deputies there, by the way. You hear hear a number of voices. Um, when Eric Harris was shot, of course, he flinched and his body reacted. He his body torqued. They were telling him, stop resisting. I mean, what would you do? Your body's shot on your left-hand side. Your lung begins to collapse. You have an entry hole the size of a silver dollar. Do you know the size of a silver dollar? That's the entry hole, the, the bullet wound. That large. How that man can even sleep at night is beyond me. He's going to have to live with this for the rest of his life. The prison that one forms in their mind, I think, is far greater than the one they can find themselves in, in a penitentiary or your home. The one that said, F your breath, that was uh, Byers. He was above a deputy. He was a, a corporal or a lieutenant. I don't. They have these different levels, and he was forced to resign. And he testified against Robert Bates. As a matter of fact, every single voice that you heard in that video that you just heard, they all testified against Robert Bates in the courtroom. He didn't have a single friend there. And, of course, Eric Harris, his voice testified against him. I am beyond comprehension. When I hear someone like Mr. Bates say that, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. He really fully thinks this happened to him. He doesn't fully comprehend that he did this to someone else. Though I had hope today, I was in court today, along with other people, of course. And what we heard, he was in front of the judge. And he sounded like a broken man. And he really did sound like he was taking full responsibility. When before he acted like uh, he tried to get bail, post-conviction bail, which you can do if there's a possibility of only receiving a fine for the sentencing. It was only then he decided to... What is the word? It was only then that he decided to testify. When they called his name, I guess that was about three weeks ago, he jumps up, literally up in the air. His hands are handcuffed. He's in orange 
He's in an orange uniform. He's 74 years old. He has white hair. He has a bald spot on the back of his head with, a, I guess you could call it a, a white cap on the sides. He looks to me to be in fairly good health for a 74-year-old man. Why, just the year before, he shot himself an African-American man. What's wrong with him? He claims to be in poor health, but the man shot up in the air at least a foot from a sitting position. Then, oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. I got to be feeble. He automatically hunches over, pulls his arms in, makes himself small. This is all strategic. This is all psychological. Pull yourself in. Make yourself small. Women do this. Go to church. Look at an elderly woman. She pulls herself in. She makes herself small. Or if a woman has a husband that is particularly like a showman, she will more likely than not pull herself in, make herself small, cross her arms. Yes, yes, how are you? Uh-huh. They call it staying sweet. It's an idea principle. And uh, when you're on the stand, it's very good. If you want the um, someone to agree with you to make yourself, quote-unquote, sweet, psychological principle. Stay sweet. Matter of fact, you'll see their principle in a lot of Pentecostal places or, well. So let's go back to where he says, now this Mr. Bates says it can happen to anyone. This clip's only been a minute long, but let's hear what he has to say. I know it's hard to listen to this, but I think it's good that we do. First and foremost, let me apologize to the family of Eric Harris. You know, this is the second worst thing that's ever happened to me, or first, ever happened to me in my life. I've had cancer a number of years ago. I didn't think I was going to get there. Luckily, I was able to go to a hospital where I had hours of surgery. Uh, I rate this as number one. My taser is right here on the front, tucked in a protective vest. My gun itself is on my side, normally to the rear. And people are going to look at that, Mr. Bates, are going to say, how could you make this mistake? How could you think you were going for your taser on your chest, tucked into that vest, and accidentally pull your weapon? Well, let me say this has happened a number of times around the country. I have read about it in the past. I thought to myself after reading several cases, I don't understand how this can happen. You must believe me, it can happen to anyone. What a lying bastard, I swear to God. He's a lying bastard. We know this because we had dash cam, or there was dash cam video that existed. We did not have it. It somehow got deleted. Gee, I wonder how. 
this dash cam video had to do with his own vehicle that was registered to the sheriff department. It shows Mr. Bates grabbing his gun. Matter of fact, it was a 38 gun that was his own personal gun that was not registered to the sheriff department, but yet he was using, using this in this operation. He grabs the gun. It's a heavy 38. 38 guns are heavy. He had just woken up. Yes, he'd been asleep moments before. He hears on the scanner about uh, there were some codes, things like that, that honestly I don't understand. And um, he's woken up. And it, it was a code that officer needs help, basically. Officer needs help. Well, he's awake now. And the lady that was a dispatcher thought that maybe he wouldn't wake up, that she was concerned that he wouldn't wake up. Because everybody knew this Bob Bates. So he grabs his thirty-eight gun. And he has it in his hand. You know, when he talked about his pistol on his side and the taser on his chest, that was nothing but bullshit. Pure, unadulterated bullshit. For when he walked up to Mr. Harris, he already had the gun in his hand. Now, knowing this, what I've just told you, which there was video of that, he grabs the gun, he puts it in his hand, you know, like his hand's on the trigger. Now, because it's not registered to the sheriff, this is another important point. The trigger's not weighted. When you have a gun registered to the sheriff or the police department, they weight the trigger. Because they want you to know when you pull that trigger, you may be taking a life. You're causing bodily harm to someone. And they want you to take a second thought. Like you have to put more pressure on the trigger when pulling it. If it's registered to a police or sheriff department, that's just the way it goes, folks. So um, let's go ahead and listen to this again. Listen to how rehearsed it is. Listen to how rushed his voice is, how stressed his voice is. I want you to listen to it. First and foremost, let me apologize to the family of Eric Harris. Let me apologize, You know, this aunt. is the second worst thing that's ever happened to me, or first, wait, ever wait, happened wait, to me wait, in my wait, life. Wait, wait. If you're going to apologize, he goes, first and foremost, let me apologize to the family of Eric Harris. Then he goes on to say this is the the first and worst thing that's ever happened to him. And he goes on to qualify that. What world is this man living in? And then to count it all off, when they finally make it to court, it's the first day of hearings, right? Like my, Our group's there to support the Harris family. We're doing good. We're supporting our, our people. Andre Harris is the brother of Eric Harris, correct? Okay, you got that now. Do you know what happens? Do you know what that bastard does? He walks up to Eric Harris, not Eric, I'm sorry, Andre Harris, who's sitting in his his side. He's sitting in a seat. This murderer, this man who murdered his brother, this Bob Bates walks up to him. 
You know what his comment is? Nice bow tie. Nice bow tie? You kill my brother and you say nice bow tie? Andre Harris is a class act. And maybe he just lets off steam at home. I don't know. I'm not privy to that information. This man has so much integrity. I just... He's a wonderful person. He's a fabulous pastor. But this man is so full of character, it just oozes out. It just oozes out of him. I've learned a lot from his family, from his wife, his church. I just... To see Grace under pressure, that is Andre Harris and his family. To take all that crap from Bob Bates and his family, they are not handling things well. They are not handling things well. I feel emotional because I've watched this all year long. All year long I've watched this. Won't we go over that tape where he says, first and foremost, let me apologize to the Eric Harris family. And then he talks about himself. I mean, what a narcissist. This is where narcissism can lead you. It can lead you to solitary confinement, which will be the case for Mr. Bob Bates, 23 hours a day. One hour a day he'll be let out just to be outside. Then I think he's allowed to take a shower or something like that. I I don't know how they handled that at prison. But Obama prisons are one of the worst in the nation. His millions will not help him. His millions will not help him. So let's take a listen to this. First and foremost, let me apologize to the family of Eric Harris. You know, this is the second worst thing that's ever happened to me, or first, ever happened to me in my life. I've had cancer a number of years ago. I didn't think I was going to get there. Luckily, I was able to go to a hospital where I had hours of surgery. Uh, I rate this as number one. My taser is right here on the front, tucked in a protective vest. My gun itself is on my side, normally to the rear. And people are going to look at that, Mr. Bates, and say, how could you make this mistake? How could you think you were going for your taser on your chest, tucked into that vest, and accidentally pull your weapon? Well, let me say this has happened a number of times around the country. I have read about it in the past. I thought to myself after reading several cases, I don't understand how this can happen. You must believe me, it can happen to anyone. Do you think that can happen to everyone? Do you? I guess everyone could lie. If he means that can happen to anyone, I guess that's true. Everybody can make that choice to lie. Oh, this just burns me. It just burns me. 
but today today we had victory. He was sentenced to four years in the penitentiary. And it will be difficult for him for that because I saw remorse in him. It's going to be hard for him. But what do you do when you take a human life? I mean, you can't just say I'm sorry and walk away. They try to sweep this underneath the rug. I mean, I don't know what they could have done in the beginning, honestly. I'm not a professional in that area. I don't know what the possibilities could have been. But I know the way they handled it was not the way to do it. But what are the ways to handle a situation when a person in uniform kills a person that's being detained? At that point, Eric Harris was being detained. He had not even been arrested, had not been read his Miranda rights. What do you do? How do you protect the people who are most likely affected by, I want to say gang stalking, but it's our own police force that's doing the gang stalking. How do you protect them from the police? And this is a problem. I'm glad to see that Tulsa's addressing it and not sweeping it underneath the table. Under the rug, I mean. This is a problem in a lot of different societies across America. And I'm praying, I'm hoping that other societies will see Tulsa as a template and hold their officers accountable. There was no reason to shoot and kill Eric Harris. He was complying to the best of his ability. All the officers admitted that he was complying to the best of his ability. There was a lot of people yelling different orders to him. And he was complying to the best of his ability. Each and every deputy or officer that was there, whatever level they were, they all said that. They all said that he was trying to comply, even though that, yes, he had run. If you're wanting to join the conversation, you'll need to press 1 on your dial pad on your phone or under, I think it's call on your your Skype call. I don't know which one you're calling underneath, but if you're wanting to join the conversation, I see some of you have been on the line for as long as 30-some minutes. So, um, wow. We had so many people. I'm going to take a break for a minute. I'm going to play something that's appropriate for this show. And I like this this person. Uh, it goes by the name Killer Mike. And it's called God is in the Building. Killer Mike is the son of a cop. And he was heard in Ferguson. When all the, uh, I don't want to really say riot, demonstrations, we'll call them demonstrations were being held. And it really touched him. 
It really touched him. And just like Obama said, that could have been his son. We all need to understand that we're all different shades of holy. All different shades of holy. We need to help each other. We need to understand each other a little bit better and not hurt each other. Be it in action, deed, or words, we need to stop and listen. Let other people finish their words. And when we're finished with our statement, when we're talking with another, and we're having an exchange of ideas, say concluded when we're done. So the other person knows to give their response. We can be civilized. We can do this. These may be inflamed times, but we're not degenerates. We're not. I refuse to believe that we are. So let's listen to this song. It's called God is in the Building. I kind of hesitated. There's another song that he has. It's called Speak Lord, and it's a takeoff from the Speak Lord from the Color Purple. But I like this one, too. So it's up to you which one you like. But tonight I play this one. They say they see God in me, but I'm in 
uh, five or six years, seven, eight years, something like that. I, and I have not missed it primarily because of that website and, of course, you know, things like Netflix and Hulu that I also use. And, of course, uh, you know, I, I'm a huge – and, by the way, this website will also get you uh, all the WWE pay-per-views, not live, but after the fact – if uh, if for some reason you're unable to uh, get the WWE Network, which by the way, in case you're wondering, is only um, um, how much is that again? Nine ninety nine, not right, nine ninety nine. Yeah, not not fifty ninety nine, not even fifty ninety nine, but only nine ninety nine. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. That's a that's a stroke of genius for the WWE creating the WWE Network. But when you think about it, they should really actually charge a hell of a lot more because most of the people would be paying that uh, a hell of a lot more for the pay-per-views every month, or a lot of people would anyway. Mm-hmm. you got people like me, the only pay-per-views that I used to buy uh, back when I had cable, I only used to buy the big four. You know, I bought the Rumble, I bought WrestleMania, I bought SummerSlam, I bought Survivor Series. Everything else, you know, I, I read about it on the Internet or I found a website before PrimeWire, and, and that's how I did it. Uh, then I cut the cable cord completely. Then I just watched exclusively online. Mm-hmm. And then I was living in Las Vegas, and one of the few cities left that has massive WWE viewing parties at big casinos, which is really cool. And I, and I got to say, if you're ever planning, anybody, uh, Derek, you or any of the listeners, if you're ever planning a trip to Las Vegas, plan it on a WWE pay-per-view weekend. Uh-huh. And literally, I, I, I can tell you, any of the Boyd Gaming properties, and that's going to be um, the Gold Coast, Samstown, uh, the California and a handful of other places, uh, properties owned by Boyd Gaming, all have WWE uh, viewing parties. It's like It costs like five bucks to get in, and you have to be a Players Club member because it's a good, easy way to prove you're 21 or over it is to have your Players Club card. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it's like going to a – it's actually – the way they remember uh, way back in the day, the way they used to do WrestleMania and other events like that, you know, the closed uh, closed circuit TV places. Mm-hmm. Back in, back in the days before cable, everybody would go down to the local baseball stadium or you know anything like that, someplace where there were TVs all over the place. Yep, and they would pay a, a, a fraction of what it would cost to go to the actual live event. And they would watch it on TV in these places. To me, actually, going to those viewing parties was so much better than even going to live uh, events like Raw or SmackDown, which I've been to both. I've been to pay-per-views. I've been to WrestleMania, for God's sakes. Yeah, that I haven't been. I haven't been to WrestleMania yet. Uh, I've been to uh, the Elimination Chamber, which was in the in the cities, of course, and then the house shows, SmackDown, Raw. We even went to the uh, the Slammy Awards, which I thought was complete, utter BS because every star that won was not, not even there. And it was like, 
Really? I am not going to sit through this ever again. Oh, so you were at the 2014 Slammy Awards then? Uh, 2015, I believe. Oh, so like, uh, I knew it was a recent one. Yeah. Oh, but, and uh, oh, and uh, sorry to cut you off, uh, Stephen, but uh, we, we, we were talking about you were talking about Vegas. Well, Money in the Bank pay per view is going to be there June nineteenth at the Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm sorry. Where is it? I know it's going to be in Vegas. Where did you say it was going to be? The T-Mobile Arena. Oh, that's right. Vegas, since I've left the City of Lights, has actually built itself an actual arena. Up until this point, anytime WWE goes there, they go to one of three places. If it's a house show, they've always gone to the Orleans Arena, which is perfect for a house show. It's big, but not huge. Great for a house show. Uh, Raw and SmackDown go to the Thomas and Mac Arena, which is at the uh, UNLV campus, University of Nevada, Las Vegas campus. Uh, and pay-per-views were always typically done at the MGM Grand, with the exception of the one Las Vegas WrestleMania, which was done at Caesars Palace. Uh, but they finally got themselves an actual arena in Las Vegas, and now they're trying to get a real sports team there, and that's going to be a clusterfuck, but... I don't want to get in. I, I actually worked in the sports book, so I know uh, why Las Vegas doesn't have sports team, and it does have a lot to do with gambling. But I'm not going to get into the intricacies of why professional sports teams don't play there. It's just it's a long, drawn-out thing. But, yeah, I've been in Vegas alone. I've been to house shows. I've been to Raws. I've been to SmackDowns. Uh, since moving out here to the Memphis area, I have been to, uh, I was at the original, the inaugural Fastlane pay-per-view, and the previous year, I drove to New Orleans for WrestleMania 30 to watch Daniel Bryant win the WWE Championship and to watch <clears throat> The Undertaker lose his first ever WrestleMania match. That was a very big disappointment in my mind. And I got to tell you, going to the viewing parties in Las Vegas, is every bit as good as going to the actual live events, if not better, because every seat in the house is a great seat because you're watching on these massive, huge screens, and you still get to hear the announcers in addition to watching the action. So you get a, no matter where you're sitting, you get a good view because it's always the same view you get on the pay-per-view. But in addition to that, you're also there with anywhere from 500 to 2,000 other wrestling fans that are out there and doing the same thing. You know, the crowd chants are the same, the, the cheers, the boos are all there, and yet it's a hell of a lot cheaper, sometimes free. There's great food, there's great drinks, there's, you know, they had everything from soft drinks to full bars. It, it's just really an awesome experience. And I think anybody that visits Vegas, if you're a wrestling fan, do it on a pay-per-view weekend. I'm telling you, it is worth every cent of that five bucks. <laughs> five bucks and, to watch it on a on a big screen, I think that's definitely worth it to me i think yeah i mean and when i say big screen i don't mean like the you know 
the the sixty inch you might have in your living room, you know, if you got a good tax refund this year. I mean, movie theater size screen. And that's, it, not, and that's not and that's not the only screen in the place. I mean, you go to you know go to stand in line at the bar to get a drink, or to go stand in line at the snack bar to get a fucking hot dog or some nachos. There are t there are other smaller, and yet still pretty big size screens, all over the place in there. Oh, that is awesome. Right, and you know you're still surrounded by fellow wrestling fans, so you know. Uh, when they introduce John Cena, you're st- in the midst of that crowd, that, you know, thousand other people you're around, and in a much smaller, intimate setting, you're still hearing this loud roar of, let's go, Cena, Cena sucks. It's a yep. beautiful thing. It's great. <laughs> Makes you think I, like you're actually there watching it live. You are. Yeah. Uh, except it's better because you can hear the announcers. And that's a big part of, of why we all enjoy wrestling is because the announcing, well, yeah. except for Byron Saxon, is great. Yeah, true. True. So, no, I just wanted to throw that out there. I think everybody should uh, should experience a Las Vegas viewing party. And if you can't do it in Vegas... Um, at least before WWE Network, uh, during my tenure working for uh, one of the major satellite companies in this country, I do know that several large businesses, um, places like Buffalo Wild Wings, um, other major places like that, also do uh, not only UFC but WWE viewing parties, at least they used to, call and check with them. Uh, Not on as grand a scale as they do in Vegas, but Still the same thing, you know, big-ass group of wrestling fans cheering the same. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the name of the satellite company, but uh, they tell you not to just watch TV. They tell you to direct TV. Oh, wait, I can't say that. (laughs) So you can do it locally. You don't have to go all the way to Vegas. Uh, You know, call around to your local sports bars and things like that. Uh, You can get it there, too. Nice. I do resent your Byron Saxton comment, all right? Well, oh, are you an Iron Saxon supporter? You were, I bet you were also a Michael Cole supporter in 1999. No, 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 no I'm definitely a, a bigger Jim Ross fan. Well, maybe even a bigger Vince McMahon commentary, Mark. Than hey, I, I am, love Vince uh, McMahon. Uh, on com- the only time I didn't like Vince McMahon on commentary was Vince McMahon's last time on commentary. Uh, what was that, seven, eight years ago when uh, the guest host for the night was Jesse Ventura yes. and his stipulation for the main event was that him and Vince McMahon had to call the match? Oh, that yep. was the only time I didn't like it because they both couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> but uh, Vince and Jesse were one of my favorite announce teams. Oh, yeah. They were almost as good as Vince and Gorilla Monsoon. Vince and Gorilla mm-hmm. were, were were great. I mean, just... Vince overall, just knowing how he wanted, uh, you know. Will you be serious? I always love. I always love when Gorilla Monsoon would say that to Jesse Ventura. Okay. But let's uh, let's transition here a little bit and talk about. Um, well, let's talk about Extreme Rules because, well, uh, you know, to be honest. Um, 
I was not expecting with the card. I was not expecting to see a decent pay-per-view. I really was not. There was not a lot of matches I was terribly excited about. Uh, and I got to say, uh, what I thought was going to be match of the night did end up being match of the night. But I was also pleasantly surprised by the other matches. Um, and I'll tell you uh, what my pick of match of the night was here in just a second. But you know one thing I didn't know just because I have not been watching SmackDown um, well at all, and we got some SmackDown news coming up uh, as well. But I did not know that Jerry Lawler has gone back to being a heel announcer. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he started that I think about a couple months ago, if I remember right. It shows you what I get for not watching SmackDown, and I and, and I adore that because that was always my favorite part about Jerry Lawler was he's such a great heel announcer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that after the heart attack and everything else and being a fan favorite for so long that they could really transition him back into doing that. But watching him on the pre-show, I was like, wow, he keeps picking all these heels to win the match. And then I heard him throughout the pay-per-view um, when they would cut to the, to the you know, Renee Young crew with Booker, Team, Corey Graves. And he's just trashing all the all the faces. I'm like, holy shit, Jerry's not healed. Yay. <laughs> I may have to start watching SmackDown again. <laughs> but uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the whole pay-per-view. I mean, Extreme Rules is always one of my favorite pay-per-views anyway, just because of the various match types I, I typically enjoy. Uh, but at the same time, I wasn't expecting much out of this one looking at the card. First matchup, we got uh, Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler, and Ziggler just can't win with WWE. I mean, he really can't. Um, Obviously, they respect him. They put him as the star of one of their shittier movies, um, so they have some faith in the guy. Mm -hmm. But he is like WWE's second favorite loser right behind Zack Ryder. Yeah, it just it, I'm I'm not too sure like what the hell is going on with this because I mean it's like Ziggler has been world champion and he's been good at it you know until he got that until he got that concussion but I mean it's just it's it's like he steals the show but yet they won't give him any more praise for it like you know well I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he is so injury prone. Uh, yeah, they 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 keep him as this big fan favorite, and he really is. Uh, you know, the fans love the guy to death, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're they're not going to put him as they're sure so not going to make him a WWE champion, and they they won't put him as a US or IC champion at least for very long. Mm-hmm. Because they're too afraid. And he is very concussion prone. I mean, what has he had? Three or four concussions now that they've put him on the shelf for? Somewhere around there, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, at a very young age, he's essentially an old timer there to put the young guys over. And he does a great job of it. He's a fantastic in ring performer, him and his bowl of spaghetti looking hair. <laughs> And, you know, let's face it, it's been well over a year since Ziggler's had a serious injury that's kept him out for more than a week. 
I, I think maybe it's time. You know, he's paid his dues. I think it's time to, you know, get him, maybe not give him one of the main titles, but at least give him a fake run at chasing mm-hmm. the WWE title. I mean, otherwise, he's going to quickly become the next R-Truth, except he's not as entertaining on the mic. <laughs> Ziggler does his entertaining in the ring out of the mic. Nobody's ever going to mistake him for a great mic personality. Oh yeah, I mean our truth is pretty damn, pretty damn good on the mic. <laughs> and, well, I mean, and Ziggler's not bad, but Ziggler's entire initial character, uh, for those of you who don't know, go back and look at the Million Dollar Tough Enough winner. A uh, good friend of the show here, and wow, I just totally blanked on the name. Sorry, I worked a 12-hour shift today. Um, holy crap, he's going to freaking kill me. Um, I keep wanting to say Daniel Bryan, and it's not. Uh, Daniel Pewter, Daniel yeah, that's Pewter. why I kept thinking Daniel Bryan. Daniel Pewter, who has been... Gr- who's graciously appeared on this show and is an awesome, awesome guy. Um, I am so sorry for blanking on the name there. God, it's been a long day. Sorry. But um, if you go back and look at Daniel Pewter's character, uh, after he won the Million Dollar Tough Enough and when they were trying to introduce him onto the main roster, there's nothing new about Dolph Ziggler's character when they introduced him a few years ago. They just redid Daniel Pewter's character, except that this time it took off a little bit better, and it's evolved since, of course. But it's uh, it's crazy to think that Daniel Pewter could be where Dolph Ziggler is right now. But yeah. I do think Ziggler deserves to have uh, you know some. Most of his time in the big spotlight has been as a heel, uh, namely during his time with Vicky Guerrero. And it's because, his, you know, he's not great on the mic. And somebody really should, uh, they should have somebody that's good on the mic work with him. Uh, personally, I, I think they should have uh, somebody that works backstage, like Road Dog, work with him. Because Road Dog was always great on the mic. Somebody can teach Dolph Ziggler to be good on the mic. I I agree. I mean, I mean, look at I mean, look at Ryback. I mean, he he did that personal promo, and he had the whole he had the, damn near the whole crowd behind him when he was talking about what he what his character was before, you know, all that all that stuff. Yeah, and that was a big leap for Ryback, but I think the biggest jump for Ryback was, I think one of the last times we even heard the Goldberg chant was, you know, he stopped the fans in the middle of that chant. He said, yeah, the big guy's a fan too. And that just stopped the Goldberg chant. They're like, oh, well, it's no fun anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a hell of a thing. But getting back to, to Elimination Chamber, uh, the match Dolph Ziggler had against Baron Corbin, who, by the way, is a fantastic, fantastic talent, one of the best people that they have brought up from NXT, in my opinion. Don't dig the look. Don't even dig the character too much. I think they could do so much better and so much more with Baron Corbin. But 
there's no denying this guy's amazing, massive in-ring skill. This guy is one of the best there is. And one of the cool things is even WWE is acknowledging that we are in the midst of hitting a brand new era. Yep. Yeah, you know, we went we went from the Attitude Era to what was after the Attitude Era? The freaking John Cena era. Uh, no, it was the Ruthless Aggression era. Ruthless Aggression, right? And then we had uh, the PG era. Yep. Which lasted entirely too long. Yeah. And then we finally started transitioning out of the PG era to. Um, what would you even call that during the whole uh, everything from the return of The Rock to the rise of Daniel Bryan and just before the NXT guys took over? I don't even know what we call that portion. Uh, the, the, the last, the last, uh, I'd say, I don't know, five, six years. The PG era? Well, no, it was after the PG. When, oh. when Rock came back, the PG era slowly started. I mean, it's still consider TVPG, but they're pushing the envelope a lot more. I guess we could call it the Triple H and Stephanie era. Yep. And not so much just because they were on TV a lot more, but because they had a lot more input backstage and and with character development and all that. And that's where that's where you got the rise. Uh, you know, that's where CM Punk got really, really, really big, and Daniel Bryan got really, really big, and John Cena. You know, that's um, yeah, he had a hell of a lot more title reigns in that time. But at the same time, they started acknowledging the fact that the fans are booing the shit out of him. Yep. Um, uh, I guess you can call it. Uh, The best I can come up with there is the Triple H and Stephanie era, the authority. But now, you know, we're in this, you know, this, the era of NXT. Yep. And, and and it's, it's fantastic. I mean, we're, we're being, you know, introduced to uh, people that WWE at some point swore they would never hire. You know, they, they, you WWE always said, you know, hey, we love Samoa Joe. We we think he's fantastic. He's got all these amazing in-ring skills, and he's just simply fucking awesome. Great. Why don't you hire him? Eh, he's too fat. What? Yeah, he's, you know, kind of a chubby guy. Huh? Yeah, you know, he doesn't really fit our current our, our profile of what we think a WWE superstar should be. No, taking nothing away from him, that's just not what we want. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, what, well, what about um, what about Kevin Owens? Or uh, and I forget who he called himself before. They went well. Same thing with Samoa Joe. I mean, he's got all this talent. He's really, really great in the ring. He's captivating. The fans love him. Well, perfect. Why don't you hire him? Well, he's too fat. Kevin um, Steen. Kevin Steen, thank you. Yep. I should really know this shit. I've been following these guys' careers for years. They're like, oh, okay, well, fine, okay, no no fat guys. I get it. I, I totally understand that. that, that that's fine. We, we can move with the fat guys. Well, um, how, how, how about this 
this guy out of Dragon Gate and Ring of Honor and, and all these other indie promotions and New Japan and all this. Well, what guy are you talking about? Oh, this awesome dude, El Generico. Who? El Generico. You mean the white dude that dresses like a luchador? Yeah, him. He, um, well, he he's too small. What? Now, and they they finally realized, okay, let's get Samoa Joe. Let's get Sami Zayn. Okay, hey, what about AJ Styles? Well, he was kind of the face of TNA for, well, quite a while. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he was like the only thing good in TNA during that whole time. Yeah. No, yeah, he, no, he's really, really great. Why don't you hire AJ Styles? Well, he's, um, he's too old. Are you fucking stupid? Do you have any guys on your roster that are 10 years older than him? Well, yeah, but they've been established WWE stars for many, many years. But still, get AJ Styles. Oh, no, he's just, he's perfect. If he was five years younger, we'd take him right now. But he was five years younger. Yeah, but he worked for TNA then. They, they finally started getting away from all these stupid misconceptions about who can be a great performer in WWE. And a lot of that, I mean, matter of fact, I'm pretty sure almost all of it has to do with Triple H. Because Triple H is a fan of wrestling. Triple H is a wrestler. Probably one of the things that him and CM Punk have in common when Punk came out there and said, I'm not a sports entertainer, I'm a wrestler. And I think that's one of the few things Triple H actually agreed with CM Punk on. And Triple H finally was in a position in the family to go, Vince, open your goddamn eyes. Look at all this shit all these people are saying on the internet about these guys. And Vince finally slowly started going, okay, fine. But I don't care how big a star they are anywhere else. They go right to NXT. Triple H said, fine. No problem. Put me in charge of NXT. Vince went, you want that shit home? Go ahead. Well, look what Triple H did with it. (laughs) Yep. He actually made it into this big touring, uh, now touring conglomerate, and he brought in Samoa Joe. Uh, Bobby Roode, uh, James Storm, Austin Aries, uh, and new talents like Bailey, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Sasha, Dana Brooke. What's, what's weird is the way he brought in guys like Bobby Roode and James Storm, who, by the way, are both back working for TNA. Uh, Bobby Roode is actually uh, is still, he still in NXT. He's still talking to WWE, but James Storm is back in TNA. Right, well, I mean, James Storm's never had an actual contract, though. Yet they, yet WWE under NXT actually still put him on TV, which is, you know, that's something, uh, with the exception of Ric Flair and the second Hall of Fame, is essentially unheard of. You know, WWE does not put people on TV that are not under contract. Mm-hmm. But because it's NXT... Triple H got a little bit of a leeway and said, okay, fine, you can find these guys, uh, you know, to, you know, short-term or per-appearance contracts and see what you get. And if the crowd reacts well, we'll talk about it. I don't know why uh, James Storm didn't get signed, aside from the fact that he's 
again, probably 15 years older than your average, uh, you know, WWE NXT uh, personality. Well, but the- yeah, I mean, he he still could do really good things in the ring, so. And I think the only argument that Vince has is, yeah, he he's doing great things, but how much longer can he do them? Yeah. And I think the reason AJ Styles and Samoa Joe are the exception to that rule is because somebody said, okay, you look at their style, regardless of size, and look at Chris Jericho. And Vince went, um, well, fuck, all right. Uh, they have very similar um, in-ring styles, believe it or not, uh, to Chris Jericho, which is one of the great things that made the Jericho Styles feud so interesting is because they're so similar in their in the way they work in the ring. Yep. And same with Samoa Joe for being a big fat ass. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, I, I remember. And, well, what... and the same and the same for Kevin Steen's Kevin Owens. You know, Kevin Owens is a big fat ass motherfucker, and yep. his fat is all belly. Yeah. The rest of it... him. The rest of him is totally normal. He's just got this big, huge belly. And I could have honestly seen Vince McMahon going, dude, get some liposuction, you're hired. But he held out, and finally they went, all right, you're hired anyway. And he's like, check this shit out. And they went, wow, even with that big-ass belly, look at the way that crazy motherfucker moves. I know, and he still does these moves running around almost like a like a cruiserweight, mostly, even though he's like a bigger mid-range guy and it's just like nice he's like a little mini version of vader for you know pac-man yeah true we kind of see him bounce around the ring going womp 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 but anyway um got way off topic there going back to um that all started with uh, talking about the match between Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler. Fantastic match. Really, really great. Uh, Baron Corbin did end up taking up the victory there, just in case uh, those of you out there haven't seen it. Uh, decent pre-show match. Next up, uh, the first official match of the night was the Tornado Tag Team Rule which essentially just means everybody's in the ring. There's no tagging, so I don't even know why they call it a tag team match. It should just be a tornado, Texas Tornado team match, but whatever. Uh, the Usos versus Gallows and Anderson, uh, in my mind, um, not the match of the night, but damn close to it. These guys put on a fantastic show. I mean, everybody knows what the Usos are going to do. The Usos very rarely fail to impress. These guys are really, really good at what they do. And they should be. Look at the... They have a very long-standing family tradition of being professional wrestlers. They should be held to a higher standard. And... I can't say that I know a ton about Carl Anderson, but I been following Luke Gallows ever since he was Festus. Mm-hmm. And I know what Luke Gallows can do, and the guy can be phenomenal when you give him the chance. 
which is something WWE failed to do too many times in the past, but it looks like they finally got over that shit, and he's getting out there and kicking ass and taking names. Which is what, you know, he's they're letting him loose, and it's like, you know what? Go do your thing. Impress us. And by God, he is. Yeah, I mean, he's fucking awesome at everything he's doing. And they just basically, yeah, the Usos had their moments here and there, but boom. It was just, it was, that whole match was almost essentially all fucking Gallows and Anderson. It was, it was fantastic. The club looked great. It wasn't completely one-sided, though. I mean, the Usos had their moments. Um, the next match was almost all one-sided, though. Uh, the U.S. title match, Rusev versus Callisto, and Callisto tried his poor little wet back heart out. Oh, sorry, we're not allowed to say that. That's insensitive. Sorry, if you need to go to your safe spaces, I understand. Uh, keep in mind that the transgender bathroom is not near the safe spaces. Oh, Just throwing that out there. Oh, anyway, the little Mexican guy or Puerto Rican guy, I don't even know what Calisto is. He may be from Ecuador or El Salvador or whatever. doesn't matter. And I'm not knocking Callisto. The guy is actually damn entertaining. Um, I, and I, I, think, uh, I, I think he'd be a fantastic uh, cruiserweight title holder or even half of an IC or um, tag team champion team. But I don't want to see Callisto as a U.S. champ or an IC champ. He's just too tiny for that. Well, I mean, Rey Mysterio was an Intercontinental champion. He's smaller than Mysterio. At least Mysterio had the decency to put on some muscle before they started trying to make him the so-called heavyweight champ. Yes. Yes. Callisto is Rey Mysterio-sized back when Rey was in his early WCW days. He, he's a little, teeny, tiny little guy. <laughs> and nothing against the guy. He's just, he's tiny. I could, literally, I could probably put him on a cracker with some cheese and and, and he wouldn't, he's, he's small, is what I'm getting at here. But he's a fantastic performer. And Gusto reminds me why I like the cruiserweight division of WCW so much. I thoroughly enjoyed watching Rey Mysterio, watching Dean Malingo, watching Eddie Guerrero, watching Psychosis, watching Juventud Guerrero and Billy Kidman. I loved watching the cruiserweight division in WCW because it was one of the few things WCW did right. Exactly. Until... They decided to put Rey Mysterio versus Kevin Nash, the ultimate little guy versus the ultimate big guy. And I'm like, this is stupid. And here's what we were getting into here. Rusev versus Callisto reminded me too much of Rey Mysterio Jr., as he was called back in WCW, versus Kevin Nash. And then Rey Mysterio got his mask stripped off and all that stuff, and we're all supposed to forget that we all know what Rey Mysterio looks like, but that's a whole other issue. Cruiserweights have their place, and when I say cruiserweight, I don't mean just because you're not a heavyweight, you're a cruiserweight. Goliso is a serious fucking cruiserweight. He's a tiny little luchador. Mm Mm-hmm. 
He's the jury with a mask and better acrobatics. <laughs> He's a Mexican Funaki. He is a cruiserweight, no matter how you slice it. He's a damn entertaining cruiserweight, and I enjoy his matches thoroughly, much as I enjoy the uh, so-called Sin Cara, um, Hunico, because yep. the real one got fired. But uh, these guys are damn entertaining to watch, and I think WWE should bring back a cruiserweight title. <laughs> Don't make this guy a U.S. champion. Because what are you going to get in the end? First off, you're going to get the big guys, just like we got Sunday, uh, a couple Sundays ago, with Rusev just tossing him around the ring like a little rag doll and eventually just stomping in, him into submission. Or then you get what, uh, just like you got with Rey Mysterio and Kevin Nash, you get this big David versus Goliath thing and suddenly Mysterio manages to triumph over the big seven-foot guy that could stomp him like a little fucking cockroach. Mm-hmm. And yet Mysterio wins, and the fans go, no, no, we're not buying this bullshit. And, you know, this match went the only way it should have went. Bruza beat the living hell out of Callisto through three-quarters of the match. And what? So, here's what it is. Uh, again, taking nothing, nothing, nothing away against Callisto. Next up, we got the tag team title match, which um, that didn't uh, that didn't work out so well. Um, wait, did I miss something? I thought there was another tag team match in there. Somebody got hurt. Maybe it was a little bit later in the show. No, just not. All right. So we get the tag team title match. New Day versus the Vaudevillians. Um, I don't know if it's possible for me. They literally put the people in WWE that I hate the most in one place at one time in one match. I I love Kobe Kingston um, to an extent. I like the fact that uh, that after um, John Hennigan, aka John Morrison, aka Johnny Nitro, when he left, they 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 let Kofi do a lot of cool shit at the Royal Rumble. But essentially, Kofi's been buried, and and the reason I don't like Kofi is because he's allowed himself to be buried. Because he's got so much more to offer. And, I mean, they've literally just made him one-third of the biggest fucking bullshit joke of a tag team ever. And yet make them some champions. Um, David well, Woods... Oh, well, all, all I'm going to say is when I was in the cities, that's the only time I've ever seen so many light-up unicorn freaking things strapped to people's heads. And I'm like... What in the fuck is this fad? Well, they need the unicorn horns to have some place to toss their bootios. <laughs> it's the only thing I can come up with. 
The thing that kills me about New Day, though, is I respect all three of these guys individually. Big E, first off, I hate calling him Big E. Just yeah. Big E. I, I still remember him as Big E Langston in NXT. The guy that won the NXT championship instead of three count won't do. I need five. Loved him at NXT. Could be a great high-end mid-carter, which they're pushing him as a high-end mid-carter. I just don't think he's a great high-end mid-carter. I get it. Xavier Woods, who 90% of the time doesn't wrestle anyway, could have easily been transitioned into a phenomenal, phenomenal manager. He's obviously, he's got some tremendous mic skills. He's got a great command of the English language. For God's sakes, he's literally a licensed teacher. The man can teach people to learn stuff. Xavier Woods is a phenomenal talent mentally. Not so much physically. I mean, he's in good shape physically, and he's okay in the ring. Nothing against him there. But done right, Xavier Woods, uh, I want to say he could be the next Bobby Heenan, but he could be the next Jimmy Hart. Just my opinion there. Putting them together is getting a lot of fan response, but it's it's annoying fan response to me. Then you've got the Vaudevillians. These guys I don't like. I really do not like them. I I, I, I think they're being totally misutilized, and I think they need to be severely... Most people, when they get brought up out of NXT, or at least before NXT got big, got repackaged. Uh, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns were all individual wrestlers that got repackaged and became the Shield when they got brought up. Um, Damn, I'm trying to think of... um, Another one of those mind blanks. Um, Bray Wyatt is a fantastic example. He started out in the old NXT, not for the championship, but the stupid so-called wannabe reality show NXT. The wannabe tough enough NXT is Husky Harrison, part of... the Nexus yep. get sit, get got sent back down to Florida Championship Wrestling that inevitably evolved into NXT and became Bray Wyatt. Did they did not repackage him? However, they did change it up a bit and added Harper and Rowan and and, and just became a phenomenon. But most people, if their character is goofy or stupid in NXT, but they but they still become popular. They get repackaged and then brought up to the main roster. But now because NXT is so popular, we get Sami Zayn just as Sami Zayn was in NXT. Nothing wrong with that. Sami Zayn was great in NXT, no matter how you slice it. But then we also get Tyler Breeze, who's great in the ring. But that fucking stupid character of his just 
It irritates me, but not in the I want somebody to beat him up, but in the I want to personally beat him up because that character is just annoying. Well, I mean, it's just like he is very good in the ring. I mean, I've seen him seen him perform many times, and he is phenomenal in the ring. He really is, but his gimmick is just holding him back. Oh, I'm going to hit you with my selfie stick. It's like... <sighs> Who the fuck has a damn selfie stick? Um, technically, I own one. I've never used it. I received it as a gift, which I thought was really silly because, but you're on my uh, social media pages. How many selfies do you see me posting? But oh yeah, I don't need. Yeah, selfie. but I mean, the the gimmick. I understand what you're saying. The gimmick is fucking retarded. Mm-hmm. And I understand, you know, WWE thinks, well, if we give him this gimmick, people are going to hate him. No, we don't hate him. We don't hate his in-ring ability. We hate your stupid writer's gimmick that you won't give up on and let this guy grow as an in-ring performer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's my problem with, with with Tyler Breeze. So, And the same thing, the exact same thing goes with the Vaudevillians, which is kind of the point that I was getting at. These guys are tremendous, tremendous in-ring performers. Yes. I mean, Aiden English in particular is just that the guy could easily be a high-end mid-carder if they repackage him, right? And Simon Gotch is the same way. I mean, he could, he could be a high-end mid-carder. I mean, he could, uh, you know, be. Look how many years you had uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart trading the IC title back and forth and shit like that. These guys could be in that realm, but instead they have this stupid vaudeville gimmick, which I, you know, when I was watching on NXT, I was like, oh, isn't that cute? They're doing a little vaudeville gimmick. Oh, look, he's got a little mustache that curls up at the end. <laughs> It's like okay, well, yeah, this is NXT. This is this is where you work on shit. Your gimmick's not set set in stone or anything like that. But now, because NXT has gotten so popular, well, your gimmick kind of is set in stone. So you better get the shit right to start with, because the Vaudevillians individually and as a tag team are fantastic wrestlers, but they've got a retarded gimmick. I love the match that they that the Vaude villains had against uh against uh Blake and Murphy. I thought that was a great match that they had against them in NXT. It's just the gimmick is fucking dumb. I don't understand it. No, I mean and not every time they, they switch that the WWE switches up a gimmick from NXT to to the main roster works. Prime example, NXT, look at the Ascension. One of the biggest, badass, most dominant, probably the best tag team I have seen in 10 years. As far as just guys I've never heard of, I would actually, I I would have said the Ascension was the best tag team since uh, Paul London and Brian Kendrick. As far as the way they worked in the ring, cohesively as a unit in ring style. They, they they could have put 
tag team wrestling, which is personally, I was always such a huge fan and always will be a huge fan of the tag team division. But I still believe the tag team division got lost when they just started sticking random people together. These guys in NXT were exactly what the tag team division in WWE needed. Not a lot of style and flair involved, but a lot of brute force, but they worked together cohesively that it made it look really cool. So the way they worked together in NXT were incredibly brutal, which in the same way the Wyatt family was just not a lot of flashy moves, just a lot of quick beat the fuck out of you as a team, but made it look cool in the process. Yep. And when I when, when they got called up to the main roster, I was like, yes. Yes, because we, I mean, we've already seen what they did with the Wyatt family, which was huge. And they didn't change a goddamn thing about the Wyatt family. They left them the way they were in NXT because that was a gimmick that worked perfect in NXT. Instead, they tried to make the Ascension a new version. They, like, tried to, you know, throw throw fucking Axe Smash and the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom in a blender and like, but let's make it, let's sprinkle in a little bit young on top of that. I blend it up, pour it in the glass and shoot it out of the gorilla position. And what do you get? Bullshit. You got shit. But if you'd have left them as the ascension as they were in NXT, you'd have had a hit. Instead, uh, next year at this time, we're going to be reading that the, uh, the ascension has been given their release. Or they're going to split them up and repackage both of them as singles competitors. Which is a shame because they they were better than any other tag team out there, period. So, that's the Vaudevillians. Great performers. Hideously stupid gimmick. Prime example of somebody needs to really be paying more attention when you want to bring up the vaudevillians to the main uh, stage. You don't change their gimmick, and it's retarded. You bring the ascension up to the main stage, and you change their gimmick, and it's retarded. Learn when to change. <clears throat> is what it is. All right. Anyway. Um, we get the uh, fatal four-way for the IC title. Uh, Kevin Owens, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, and The Miz. To be honest, um, I expected a little bit more out of this match based on the competitors. Not that there was anything wrong with the match. I just I kind of expected more. I thought with these four people in the ring, these are four performers in my mind that can truly operate on a main event level and all have operated on a main event level. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Miz, in various promotions all over the world, whether it be Ring of Honor, whether it be Dragon Gate, whether it be New Japan, whether it be Florida Championship Wrestling, whatever. These guys have all been champions, the top champions in their game. 
all phenomenal performers, and they did not disappoint in this match at all. It was a good match. It should have been a great match. But, I, again, I digress. I'm not disappointed. It, it, I have no complaints other than it should have been better. It could have been better. Good match. Could have been a great match. Could have stole the show for the night. But it was good. And they did get some this is awesome chance from the crowd, uh, particularly um, when uh, Cesaro blocked uh, the hell of a kick with a massive uppercut. I mean, it, it was truly solid match. No complaints. In the end, of course, the Miz retained his IC title. That obviously is not going to last for long because they're about to start filming the new Marine movie, and uh, well, you can't hold a title and film a movie at the same time. We all know that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm still waiting on. I'm still waiting on Cesaro to, you know, get his main event push finally. You know, I. I don't know. Um, I think Cesaro's best chance for a main event push uh, was terminated by WWE earlier this year, and that was Zeb Coulter. Yeah. Because Uncle Zeb was perfect with Cesaro. I I didn't necessarily need Cesaro and Swagger, uh, and and I love Jack Swagger. He's he's another totally underutilized talent. I don't even know why he wasn't fired, um, aside from maybe he's injured. But Zeb Coulter, with Jack Swagger and Cesaro, either as a team or individually, was the perfect mouthpiece. Zeb could have easily been the next Bobby the Brain Heenan. And so we got Paul Heyman as the next Bobby the Brain Heenan, and I have no complaints on that, but Zeb Coulter could be right there with it. But instead of bringing him back with Cesaro or and or Jack Swagger, they brought him back with Alberto Del Rio. Hugely stupid move. Uh, yeah, very well agreed. I don't know who was in charge of that particular decision, but it was wrong. In the end, though, um, like I said, uh, you know, Miz did pick up the victory there. We're going to see Miz lose the IC title soon. Um, I'm curious as to who it's going to be. I'm personally thinking, <clears throat> you know, he's had a decent little run since WrestleMania with the title, or right after WrestleMania. And he's done it as a heel. So I'm thinking we are going to see probably Sami Zayn pick it up just to see <clears throat> how they can uh, push Sami Zayn. And at that point, uh, you know, it's really in Sami Zayn's hands. Uh, hopefully he doesn't listen to the writers or fights for his character and lets his in-ring work do the talk. But, I mean... Sami Zayn is going to be a great IC title holder, and I think that's the next person we see holding it. That's my best guess, too. I agree. 
Well, I mean, it usually, it, it, I mean, titles almost always go, you know, heel face, heel face, heel face, heel face, heel face. Yep. Occasionally, of course, they go heel heel. Well, actually, that's the most extreme rarity is heel heel. More so is a is a face face. So in that battle, you out of the four people looking at the IC title, you have The Miz, who's going to be leaving to shoot a movie, so they're going to do an injury angle or or I'm pissed off and I'm leaving and I quit or whatever they do to let him disappear for a little while to go shoot uh, the Marine 5? Yeah. Which also, by the way, features Maurice, uh, Curtis Axel, Bray Wyatt, and some more. There's a total, uh, I think Cameron's in there. There's a total of six WWE superstars in uh, the next Marine movie. I honestly don't know why they're trying to keep that franchise going. The Marine was decent when it was just John Cena. I mean, the first one was decent at best, I think. Um, you know, strangely enough, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, I... I had nothing against John Cena's Marine movie. I thought, you know, it. I figured for a one-shot, cheesy action movie that it was what it was. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, nothing great about it either. Uh, the Marine 2 with uh, uh, Teddy DiBiase, who to this day I still think, uh matter of fact, the two biggest underutilized talents that the WWE ever let out of their contracts were Teddy DiBiase and Cody Rhodes. Yep. So go figure that they were a tag team. These guys were phenomenal. Still are, I'm sure, for that matter. I, I don't know where WWE dropped the ball with Teddy DiBiase. Tremendous, tremendous in-ring performer. A hundred times better as far as his in-ring work than his father ever was. Not as good as on the mic. Not you know, not quite there, but getting there. He was still young. Oh, yeah. Why they let the ball drop on that? Because some idiot came up with the DiBiase party posse was just fucking stupid. However, I will say that he did okay in the Marine too. Uh, I like the fact that it was based on a true story, uh, but aside from that, he was not a great actor. But the movie itself was well, acting wise, it wasn't any worse than the Cena Marine. Uh, but production wise and everything else, it wasn't as good. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of just a fucked up situation for Teddy. However, I will say that when Marine 3 and Marine 4, Miz did truly revitalize that whole thing. And they did it the right way. They didn't try to put that shit out in theaters or anything like that. They made it a direct-to-DVD action movie, and they did it very well. And Miz, strangely enough, it was really, really, really okay. Uh, I'm not going to say great because he's not a great actor by a long shot, but as far as a you know fairly crappy DVD direct to DVD action movie, Miz did fine. 
So much so that after watching Marine 3, I was looking forward to Marine 4. I'm looking forward to Marine 5. Yeah, backing up to Ted D.B., Aussie, you know, uh, the Million Dollar Man's kid, I I seriously think he could have been uh, a WWE World Champion. I mean, he had the talent. I will admit that. So. Yeah, it was... That was... Um, unfortunately, it was just a shit time for WWE. They had the wrong people in charge uh, on a lower end level. I'm not talking about the main event people because Vince and Triple H and Stephanie are still, you know, tight on the reins on that. Uh, you go a step down, you have your Michael Hayes and your Pat Pattersons and all that, and, uh, and Kevin Dunn's and, and other guys that have been fired, for that matter. Yep. Teddy DiBiase was just... He was a vic- victim of circumstance. Um, and he... You know, still holds no bitter grapes. I mean, he sits there and, and praises the WWE for the opportunities given because he's a good Christian guy, and you know he doesn't hold a grudge. He forgives, and I'm sure in, in his you know deepest private moments, he's going, "Motherfucker, how did these assholes screw this up?" Yep. But he's got the decent sense to keep his fucking yap shut about it. Oh yeah. And he did get further along the line than Richie Steamboat, who, well, let's leave Richie out of this poor guy. Uh, Richie should have honestly gone a lot further, but injuries prevented that. And that's a damn shame because Richie Steamboat was amazing. He was almost as good as his dad. And, you know, that stuff will, that stuff happens, you know? It does. And, you know, you're in a physical thing. Uh, Injuries are going to happen. Sometimes they're career-ending. You know, I don't know what Richie Steamboat is doing these days, but uh, well, I'm sure giving uh, get, given royalties uh, that his dad could never spend, I'm sure financially he's going to be great forever. Oh yeah. At any rate, uh, that was a very long conversation to get to the point, but I still think unless they fuck up Sammy Zayn's character. Which they don't seem to be doing. Uh, they pretty much don't let Sami Zayn talk too much, and they just let his in-ring work do all the talking for him. And that's working, and I think Sami Zayn is our next IC uh, champion. Next up, we got the Asylum match. First ever. Um, Chris Jericho versus Dean Ambrose. And I said this, on the last show that this was going to be the match tonight, it did not disappoint. It was fucking brutal from beginning to end. It was just great. Ambrose is one of those guys that they did not completely fuck with his character too much uh, from NXT before the Shield. He was always a loud mouth, loose can shit talker. That's what he was with the Shield. Yep. It's what he is now. It's what he was in NXT. It's phenomenal. And he did great. The perfect person in my mind to put him up against. Given Ambrose's background in uh, CCW, which is Combat Zone Wrestling, was, of course, Mick Foley. 
but unfortunately Foley got really, really old and really, really fat, so you, you know, Mick can't do it no more. So <laughs> who's the next best to put him up against? Well, that would have been CM Punk, but, well, Punk is a bitch. So uh, <laughs> you, you go with the number three on the list, and that is most definitely the man of a thousand and one holds, the Ayatollah of rock and roller, Chris Jericho. I have been a fan of Chris Jericho ever since, ever since. WCW. I love Chris Jericho. I have read all three of his books. Uh, when I can, I listen to his podcast. I don't care much for Fosse's music. I've tried. I'm, it's just not my thing. But I, I love Chris Jericho. I, I think Chris Jericho is fucking great. <laughs> Mostly because, in a lot of ways, Chris Jericho reminds me of The Rock. Oh yeah, just in the speech patterns. In the, it, he doesn't need the writers to come up with the shit. You know, strangely enough, The Rock does actually all all the really cool shit Rock says is written by the writers. Rock yeah. just delivers it really well. Jericho goes up to the writers and says, give me an outline of what you want me to say, and I'll come up with it. And he delivers it really, really well. Yep. I, and he's a better wrestler than The Rock. But I love Chris Jericho to death. I love Dean Ambrose to death. I think Dean Ambrose is the epitome of what wrestling should be. The guy's got a perfect character. Yeah, everybody keeps comparing him to people like Stone Cold Steve Austin, and to an extent, uh, I suppose they're right. But he's really more of a new incarnation of Brian Tillman, in my opinion. That's what I was starting to think too, because when you said when you said a uh, loose cannon, that's what kind of brought to mind was Brian Tillman. Well, I use that analogy on purpose because he does remind me a lot of Brian Tillman. Yeah. And he gets to fuck Renee Young, which is just, hey, kudos. Yep, epic. Yeah. <clears throat> so I can't think of, you know, two better people to be in a, in a match like this. A, a totally warped, twisted version of a hardcore match meets a steel cage match. And I really thought Ambrose would end up taking the blunt of the punishment just because of his time in combat zone and, and because he's used to it. That I think that's why early uh, in Ambrose's NXT career, they had him working some things with Mick Foley, thinking at some point Foley was actually going to end up having a match with him. Yeah. It would have been perfect. The original hardcore legend versus, well, really the future of insanity and hardcore. That obviously never came to fruition, but what he did in there with, with Jericho was great. However, the number one, I mean, one of the top two things Mick Foley is remembered for as far as wrestling matches.
still with me, Derek? Yeah. What are the top two things Mick Foley was, is remembered for in wrestling? Oh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize that was a that was a question. Uh, probably, probably his use of thumbtacks and the fact that he was that he did crazy stunts. Well, that was uh, pretty much my two answers. Uh, I, I was going to go with the thumbtacks and obviously being thrown off the top of the uh, hell in a cell cage. But well, I so was I, about, well, I was talking about when he, about thinking back to WCW when he was uh, Cactus, Cactus Jack Manson. Where where he did that uh, that running flip off of the uh, apron onto Vader, that's what I was thinking. Or the uh, hmm. drop off the apron. What a beautiful moment! And then of course uh, there's all the shit he did with Terry Funk back in the day too. And but uh, oh god, yeah, that's just insanity. But I mean, the number one clip of any WWE programming shown over and over and over again literally was fully, you know, going off the top of the cell onto the announce table and Jim Ross going, you know, you killed him, you killed him, he's dead or whatever the hell it was that Jim Ross said. That is the number one WWE piece of film shown more often than any other. Well, that's true. That, I mean, that's, yeah. It, I, it may even hold a Guinness Book of World Record just for being the single most shown piece of sports footage ever. Uh, I think the only thing film-wise that beat that was like the, the Bruder film or something like that. But, so I honestly I figured that Ambrose being Ambrose wanted would want to top that. I honestly, I, I knew Ambrose was going to win. I called this uh, when we did the last show. Yep. I did not expect the thumbtacks, and I did not expect, I, you know, when I saw the thumbtacks come out, I went, oh, Ambrose is hurting the thumbtacks. That's not going to work well for him. Yeah. Wrong, wrong on both instances. I did not expect Chris Jericho to take the drop onto the thumbtacks. Uh, I, 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 I saw some photos of him with the thumbtacks in his arm and his in his bag is just like, oh my god, yeah, I I don't know if I could ever do that, do a bump like that. I really don't. Uh, with my back, I don't know that I could do any bump ever. I'm sure as fuck wouldn't be on thumbtacks. But I, I want to just get like a, a a gif of that on my phone, just to keep handy whenever coworkers, friends, acquaintances, total strangers at a bar. Use the phrase that I hate more than anything in the world, and that is, you know, wrestling's fake, right? Uh, I hate it when uh, they say, I really hate it when they say that. Yeah. And I'm the first to turn, and normally I'm a very calm, polite guy, and I will turn around and go, no, wrestling is scripted. And yeah. they always say the same thing. Well, scripted, fake, what's the difference? Well, asshole, um, been to the movies recently? Put in a DVD, turned on HBO, anything like that? Well, yeah. Do you sit there throughout the movie you're watching and go, you know that shit ain't real, right? <laughs> that Iron Man guy, that he ain't really shooting lasers out of his hands. Yeah. And they always look at me like I'm the asshole. 
it's scripted entertainment. We all know it's scripted. We all know the outcome is predetermined. We're not fucking stupid. Yeah. But for for Christ's sake, stop treating us like we are. But getting back to my point is I did not think Jericho was going to be the one to get dropped onto the thumbtacks when I saw him come out. And kudos to Jericho because what kind of grown-ass man I get why Foley did it. We all get and know that Foley's got a screw loose. Well, yeah. Anybody, anybody that's ever watched an interview, uh, primarily the interview um, in, on Beyond the Mat, everybody gets that Foley does have a bit of a screw loose. He's a fucking nut job. We all understand that. We know Foley's crazy. Yeah. Nobody's questioning that, but nobody ever thought Chris Jericho was crazy. We've actually all thought Chris Jericho was a rather bright, intelligent guy. Hell, he's parlayed his love of wrestling into a massive wrestling career and parlayed that into hosting TV game shows, appearances on TV shows and movies. Yep. uh, Starring in various... uh, Things uh, one of the funniest things I've ever seen on the internet, and you guys can find it on YouTube, is a uh, web series called "But I'm Chris Jericho." Fucking hilarious! He's probably that all that into a music career with his band Fozzy. I'm personally not a fan, but the band has a very big following. It was even part of Ozfest, for God's sake. Yeah, I, I've never listened to uh, uh, Fozzie, and I have no intention of listening to it. Uh, you know, if, if you're, I don't know, are you a metal fan at all? I mean, I, I see a lot of the stuff you post on social media, uh, and, I, and I'm guessing you're more like me. You're more of kind of a classic rock and a country guy. Well, pretty much uh, classic rock, country, some rap, some hip-hop, some, some metal, I guess, you know, like... Uh, and, uh, analog Digital Disorder, Motorhead, stuff like that. I think you might actually like Fozzie then. I mean, I, I'm not... I'm more of a mainstream metal... When it comes to metal, I'm more of a mainstream metal... Uh, uh, Metallica, Megadeth, Ozzy Osbourne. And I got nothing against Fozzie. You know, they're fine, but they just seem like they're trying to be like everybody else. You might actually like Fozzie. Give him a listen. Yeah, I think I'll get I'll give it a shot and see what happens. Right. I mean, you know, it's not going to kill you to listen to a few songs. Yep. But in the end, uh, on this particular match, though, I was not expecting Jericho to take those bumps. Shocked the fuck out of me. Great thing. Uh, in the end, Ambrose actually won, which I said he was going to win. I just thought he would take the worst of the beating. Um, quicker uh, match recap, Natalia versus Charlotte. Fine match, uh, nothing against it. I just, I honestly, I don't care too much for either performer. Um, and it's probably a weirdly uh, misogynistic, uh, you know, male pride thing. Charlotte's too hairy, and uh, Natalia's afraid to show too much cleavage. Um, you can't blame her for that, though. She got to leave some of the imagination, man. She's not like fucking Nikki, Nikki Skank Ella. I would prefer, you know, if I had to, to 
choose to see to, as to which of them I'd see naked, I'd rather see Natalia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd rather see Natalia naked as well over Nikki Bella. Because, I mean, I mean, God knows there's probably a bunch of bugs that'd be flying out of hers. <laughs> well, like you said, I mean... I, I'm I'm still unbelievably in shock to the fact that Jim Neidhart could produce
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.